So I've decided that I'm going to break this up into two parts because it is so long and we've noticed that most of you guys do not care for the extra long episodes. But don't worry, we won't make you wait long for part two as that will drop Tuesday. I hope you come back for part two and find out how everything ends up. Thank you. Okay, y'all. I am running solo this week and I am sharing my domestic violence story and escape. So I want to start by saying there are going to be triggers for some people in this episode. So if you cannot handle listening about abuse, mental and physical, drugs, alcohol, sexual situations, and death threats, then please skip this episode. We will not hold it against you at all and completely understand. All right. Well, as I sat down and started to make all of my notes for this so that I did not miss anything and let you know there is a way out, I started having flashbacks and then began feeling the need to defend myself. But when I decided to do this podcast, I really wanted to share all of my experiences with no filters so that others can know they are not alone out there and truly empower others to be the queen that they are. So I am doing this, bearing it all, no filter, sharing everything to help someone else. Plus, there are several resources out there for domestic violence, and they will be in the show notes as well, and I will be saying them throughout the episode. Here are some statistics before we completely jump in. According to the CDC, one in four women and one in seven men will experience physical violence by their intimate partner at some point during their lifetime. About one in three women and nearly one in six men experience some form of sexual violence during their lifetime. And on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. All right, let's get into it. So I'm going to start at the very beginning, which is before any abuse actually started, because it never starts from the first date or meeting, because if it did, it would raise some red flags immediately, and you wouldn't go any further. So I met my abuser when I was 14, and he was 17. We started a typical teenage romance And during this teenage romance, we went on dates, you know, celebrated Valentine's Day, Sweetest Day, and so on and so forth. And I fell deeply in love and thought he did too. We broke up several times during our teenage years, but always ended up back together. And looking back now, this was actually probably the start of the abuse. 
For these breakups, he broke up with me twice and I broke up with him once. The first time he broke up with me, he told me that he couldn't date me anymore because his dad didn't like me. Yet I never had any issues with his parents and had spent several dinners with his parents. Things just didn't add up there. I broke up with him to date another person. And the second time that he broke up with me, I can't even remember what the lame ass reason was, but we still ended up gravitating back to each other and started dating again when I was 17 and he was 20. When I turned 18, we moved in with each other. This is where things really started falling apart. I was in technical college and almost didn't finish due to the chaos erupting between us and trying to help him. Here's your first trigger warning. We used several different drugs on a regular basis and drank very often as well. Now that is no excuse for anything. And if you are addicted to either drugs or alcohol, please seek help. Our main drug of choice was weed, but sometimes we would do other drugs. And when we did these drugs, he would turn into a different person and want to fight and argue or be extremely sexual. And if I did not want to do what he wanted, he would become violent, yell at me, say I'm a bitch, that I'm no fun, I'm a nag, and many other names. Then we would sober up, and he would apologize for his behavior and tell me that he needs help. And who doesn't want to help others? So here comes the most asked question when it comes to domestic violence that most people usually ask. Why didn't you just leave. The best explanation I have ever heard about this is if you take two frogs and two pots of water, drop one frog in a pot of water that is boiling, and that frog is going to jump out immediately because it knows that it's too hot, they're going to die. Now you put that second frog in a pot of water and you turn the burner on. Now the water temp will slowly rise, which the frog will adjust to till it's too late. And now the water is boiling and the frog is dead. Now to explain this, I did not understand what a toxic, toxic relationship I was in. We would make up after fighting and he would convince me that he would be better and get help. So like I said, who doesn't want to help someone? So we decided to quit doing drugs and drinking and get our shit together, grow up, become mature adults. And we were happy again. No rude comments, no fighting, all rainbows and unicorns. So of course I was happy in love. 
and wanted it to work. He had also convinced me to have everything in my name because he couldn't get anything credit-wise due to his credit being too poor. So he couldn't put the apartment in his name. He didn't have a vehicle. I opened up several credit cards so that we could get a TV, you know, pots and pans, furnish the apartment, things like that. So everything was in my name. So I was legally responsible for everything. Now insert here his relapse and me being pregnant. Now we have been together for five years. So I'm 19 and he's 22. And I really wanted him to be a great father and husband and was dreaming of the perfect life that doesn't actually exist. You know that the Instagram pictures you see and your Pinterest boards that you're pinning to shit all the time. None of that shit's actual real life. Nothing's ever perfect. So with his relapse and me being pregnant, he is using drugs and starting to use heavier drugs. And I am sober. I'm working two jobs to pay for all of our bills because he cannot keep a job because he stays out all night and then needs to sleep off his binge. I begin asking him to stop and get help, which he is not ready for and does not want to change. So he begins with his rude comments again, saying how I'm such a nag. All I do is bitch. Why can't you just support me? I hate you etc, etc. So here is the second trigger warning. This will involve some sexual situations that may upset some or most. So he would go out and party and do drugs and drink and then call me to come get him from wherever he was at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I would go get him so that he would get home safe. And on some of these occasions, he would be extremely sexual and want to have sex. And when I did not agree to have sex or to do certain sexual things that he wanted, he would become enraged. And he would tell me that I was a tease. I was withholding from him just to be a bitch. He would also tell me how I was not pleasurable to him anyway. And then masturbate in front of me telling me he could do a better job himself. I do thank God that he never did rape me. And that I got out before that could happen. Now, the physical and mental abuse really escalated during this time as well. When he would be angry at me for God knows what, he would punch me in my legs, arms, sides, back, lock me in a closet, pin me down on the ground or floor, 
once he threw my purse on the roof of our apartment complex so that I could not leave because my keys and everything were in my purse. He punched out my stereo in my car because he didn't like the music that I was listening to. He ripped the phone right out of the wall so that I could not call for help. He would hold his hand over my mouth when he would pin me down and punch me so people could not hear me scream. Hiding the bruises or making excuses became the norm for me. I would say how I walked into a table or door or tripped. I did not tell anyone what was going on during this time as I was embarrassed that it was happening. And I still thought he could be saved and did not want my parents to think I was a failure. The first time I realized that people already knew what was going on was one evening when he was in a fit of rage and had me pinned down on the ground and was punching me in my legs and arms, but he was sitting on my belly. And remember, I'm pregnant here. So I began to really panic and started screaming that he was going to hurt the baby and that he needed to stop. Yes, you heard that right. I was more concerned that he was going to hurt the child growing inside of me than him actually hurting me. The neighbor ended up breaking in our front door and tackling him to the ground while that neighbor's significant other helped me leave that night. But all I could tell her was that I had nowhere to go. And not because I didn't actually have places or people that I could turn to, but because I was still in denial and too embarrassed to tell my family and friends that I needed help. But this was the start of a change for me right here. Shortly after this happened, I was out with my best friend and told her that I had something to tell her, but was really nervous about it and didn't want her to think less of me. This is how much he had shifted my thinking of myself. He had me convinced it was all my fault all the time and that people would think I was lying. But I started to open up about things that were happening little by little. I divulged more information as I felt more comfortable telling her because she did not judge. She did not tell me that I was the problem. She reassured me that he was the problem, that he did need help, but I was not the one that could provide that help to him. Now, during all this time, he would still apologize, say he would change, 
make a half-assed attempt, and the cycle would repeat. Now I am nine months pregnant and I'm going into labor. So we head to the hospital. I'm in labor for 18 hours and end up having an emergency C-section. While we were at the hospital, he slept through most of the labor and left right after the delivery to go play golf. Now our daughter was born with a cleft lip and palate. We will be right back after a brief message about our sponsors. Have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is completely free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It is everything you need right at your fingertips and all in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Which threw him into a fit of rage. And he was so upset that she was not normal that he asked me what I did for her to come out this way. That's where Spark 2 hit me, and I really started considering leaving. For those of you that do not know what a cleft lip and palate is, it is where the palate of your mouth or roof of your mouth and your lip do not fully grow together in utero so you can have one or the other or both it could be on just the left side just the right side or unilaterally being on both sides and it's nothing that i did during pregnancy it's just some fluke thing that happens i don't remember the exact statistics on that right now The doctors reassured me that it wasn't anything that I did. It's just some fluke thing that happens. And if you are interested in more information regarding a cleft lip or a cleft lip and palate or just a cleft palate, Google it. You'll find lots of information on it. And because she was born with this, she needed several medical professionals to help her and to repair her palate and lip. So I had to take her to several appointments starting at five days old and go in for weekly appointments with a plastic surgeon, an ENT doctor, which is an ear, nose, and throat doctor, a special orthodontist, and a pediatrician, and also a speech therapist. He did not come to a single one of those appointments. 
So not only am I 19, a teen mom, my first baby, that has something different, scared as hell, and I'm all alone. When she was three months old, she had to have her first surgery for her lip repair, which was reattaching her upper lips together. And before she turned three months, so from five days old to three months old, we had to get her fitted for a special retainer and then tape her upper lip and keep pulling the skin closer and closer together till it was just touching each other so that they could perform plastic surgery to reattach them together. Now, this surgery is an eight-plus-hour surgery. I informed him of it and told him how long it was going to be, when it was, and then I wanted him there for support as this is our first child and she has to undergo major surgery and the time I will be spending in the waiting room will have me filled with worry and anxiety and racing thoughts. He did not want to sit in the waiting room for eight hours while she was in surgery. So he decided that golfing would be a more adequate use of his time. So I asked my mother to come with me so that I could have a support system with me. When he did finally show up for the final hour of her surgery, he was so mad that my mother was there that he ended up leaving before the surgery was even over. Now, this really threw him over the edge. And the thought process behind why it made him so mad that my mother was there to support her child and her first grandchild, I still don't understand and probably never will. But he decided to drink to relieve that stress and frustration that I caused him. And during this drunken outrage, he called me and informed me that he was throwing all of my shit out and that I needed to pick it up before he just let people take it from the roadside. And this was at like two o'clock in the morning. And now these aren't just, you know, like my clothes and a toothbrush. I mean, everything the crib for her, the pack and play, swing, changing table, clothes, diapers, all her wipes, formula, my clothes, the kitchen table. I mean, everything that was in that apartment technically belonged to me since I paid for everything. And he was pretty much saying that I needed to come pick it up at two o'clock in the morning while I'm 
laying on a plastic couch at Children's Hospital with my three-month-old who's in a recovery room under observation after her first major surgery. So I really began to panic and I called my best friend and told her what was going on and happening and asked her if I should call my parents and tell them what's been going on and see if I can come home. She assured me that my parents would gladly let me come back home and would not think less of me. So I was up the rest of the night into the morning, filled with fear, anxiety, worry. And when 5 a.m. hit, I called my mother and I told her that I needed to talk to her, told her most of what was going on and asked if I could come home. She said she would be at the hospital to pick me up with my daughter and we would go get all of our stuff and I would move back in with my parents. But I wasn't filled with this immense amount of relief. I mean, I did cry and was extremely happy and thankful for everything that she said and did over the phone. But still in the back of my mind, I felt like a failure, a disappointment. And that maybe she just didn't say it at that time because she knew that time was not the right time to tell me that I fucked up. That I should have never put myself in this position that I was raised better, I knew better. It's all those negative self-doubts, thoughts that you have about yourself because it's been so deeply drilled into your brain that you are the problem. You are the one at fault. If you wouldn't have done this, if you wouldn't have said this, if you wouldn't have worn this, if you would have just done what I said. So this is where I'm going to stop part one. But don't worry, we won't make you wait long for part two, as that will drop Tuesday. So you can find out the rest of the story. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for the rest. Until next time. Thank you all for joining us today. If you found this episode helpful, make sure to share it with a friend who you think would find value in it. Also, like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite streaming app of choice. New episodes drop every Friday. You can also follow us on Facebook, 
and Instagram at Queen Bees Podcast for sneak peeks into next week's episode. We would also love to hear your experiences and learn from them. Email us at queenbeespodcast at gmail.com with topic suggestions and listener escapades. All the links will be in the show notes. Thank you.